Hey everybody, Coach here. How you doing? Man, I'm glad you took a few minutes to join me here today, no matter where you're going or what you're doing. This particular episode is all about retaining walls, the real barebone basics. You know, looking at slopes, whether it's upslope or downslopes, and wondering how to approach the landscape control of such slopes can be really daunting, especially for those who have never done such a project. I totally get that. Today we'll go over the easiest approach and the materials involved. Then we will talk about more advanced walls and the approach to those as well. So, retaining wall solutions for the DIYer, here today. Glad you joined. Stay to the end and I hope you find enough value in these videos and podcasts and some of my others to consider subscribing, commenting, emailing me and let me know how projects that you're doing are turning out and helping the channel. Helping the channel over on YouTube and maybe considering joining where you have a pro in your pocket almost every single day. Hey, let's move forward, shall we? Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me coach. Every Friday I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions, so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself, get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys, the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, I often see folks asking for help on various uh, media platforms, and I get a few emails once in a while about the same thing. Asking for help when it comes to hillside retention and stabilization and landscaping. It is not a simple task. I mean, it's not a flat plane. It takes some, uh, some effort and a little bit of thinking and forethought and planning and obviously materials. So here are some steps to consider, some pitfalls to avoid and some considerations to take along the way as you undergo landscaping a hillside. Now, uphill hillsides are literally a tilted pallet, a tilted pallet right in your face they're so tilted in some cases. And done right, they can be an absolute beautiful part of any landscape. It's like taking a picture and hanging it up on a wall. When it's done right, man, you get to look at it every single day and you don't have to pick it up because it's tilted right at you. Now, done the wrong way, it can wreak havoc for months and years, continuing just to plow away at your hard energies, your resources, etc. Now, on the opposite, downslopes, Downslopes are treated the same as far as your approach, but the overall landscape appearance isn't quite the same. It's more of a, of a, a walking immersion and getting out and stepping down through and descending into the landscape. But the basics as far as the retention and retaining and stuff, those are the same. We'll talk about all that. You know, for the DIYer, the installation steps are the same for a three foot wall, four foot wall, and in some cases even taller, however, with a few reinforcing exceptions, which I will discuss in a minute. But let's talk about the easiest material to source, use, and build from for the DIYer. Those are going to be the various forms of stackable block. The easiest and most efficient and readily accessible for almost all homeowners. They're available at specialty shops, big box stores, like Lowe's and Home Depot, you know, and they're really easy and they're generally very, very uh, abundant. 
They come in a few sizes depending on the project application. Now if you're doing a, a small raised bed, a decorative raised bed out in the front yard or the backyard, maybe, maybe only a foot tall and you're going to border it with a stacked wall, then the decorative applications can use the smaller blocks, usually around 15-20 pounds and you do two courses with a capstone on it. The building steps are still the same, however. For the more robust statement and a wall that can retain for you, we step up to heavier stackable blocks. Many varieties, which are available at the box stores as well, can retain hills behind them four feet and sometimes six feet tall, although I've never really taken them more than four feet. There are many brands and colors and a simple internet search can find local suppliers, brochures, and even installation instructions right in the brochures or their website. Now for these kind of hillsides that are uh, a little longer in length and require more than one wall, in other words we're going to have to terrace it, the process is still the same when it comes to the wall. We just move up or down the hill and repeat the same steps until your taste of the hill is complete and it is terraced or the hillside stabilization has been achieved. So let's start at the very beginning, shall we? And starting at the very beginning, repeat after me. It's all in the base layer. All retaining wall building is in the base layer. If there is nothing else you take away from this today, this is it. All walls start underground. They really do. That's right, underground, sometimes just a little bit. Now, the ones that I used to build, it starts with a trench. And I use generally the 70, 75 pound stackable blocks for many customers. And I would dig a trench probably about 12 inches deep, literally a foot deep, and a little wider than the block. So the block was generally about nine inches tall by 16 inches wide and about 12 inches deep. So I, the trench was probably 14 inches deep. The trench is made as level as possible on the bottom. A base rock layer. Now, in some parts of the country and world, you guys call it a, a road base, an AB base, AB class two base, crusher run stone, any, anything along that line. It's not just gravel. It's a combination of aggregates and crushed rock and sands and it really compacts down very, very firm. And if you get a dry batch, you kind of want to moisten it just a little bit as you're putting it in the trench. And you're going to rake it out nice and smooth as much as possible. And then you're going to start tamping it down with a hand tamper. Or if you can go get one, you can have a little vibratory base compactor, get one of the small ones. We're going to level this base rock layer as much as possible. And we're going to level it front to back, the front of the trench to the back of the trench, and across the side to side, the whole length of whatever you're doing. And generally it's going to require a level. You can do a string level, but that's more about a guide when you're stacking the block. But in this case, a nice four foot level and a good torpedo level for front to back and a longer level going side to side and making sure that it's as level as you can get it at the time. Then your first course. Now you've gone to the store, you've found the, the block that you want to use, you've purchased the block, you've got it home, whether it was delivered or whether you have a trailer or something to, to put it on and haul it home, it is going to be heavy. But we're gonna approach that first course as everything starts here. 
You've done the digging. That was the easy part. By the way, all those tailings that you took from that trench, I hope you have stacked up the hill. I hope you have stacked up the hill because you're going to use it again. I used to start uh, that first course, I'd start right in the middle of my wall, wherever, wherever it was going to be. If I had a, a 60 foot wall, I'd start dead center in the 30 foot mark and I'd lay in my first block and I'd put it in there. And that's when my torpedo level or maybe a two foot level would come in and I would level it side to side and front to back. I generally would always have like a little dead blow hammer or a rubber mallet that I would take and fine tune that level. And it also kind of seeded the block just a little bit into that base layer that you've already put in. This is something I really want to emphasize. This base layer and this first stone is something that you have to achieve perfection. This is not where uh, it's good enough or pretty good. No, we set it perfectly level. And once that block is set, then the whole course of the project stretches out from that block. You set the next block next to it, you repeat the process. Front to back, side to side, and block to block now. They have to be perfectly level. And this is where you have to be patient. Maybe you have a 60 foot, the whole backyard, you're gonna have a retainer that's four feet high and you are gonna take maybe two weekends or more to get this first course in, especially since you may be a beginner and this is something new. Don't get impatient, be very patient because once you get this first layer done, <laughs> You're 90% at home, believe it or not. So stretching out from this midpoint, we're gonna level each block, block to block, front to back, side to side. Once it is all set, you're just gonna leave it. Leave it overnight. Come back with the level next morning. If you get a good dose of rain or something, check them all again. Make sure they haven't settled out of plumb and level. And if you have to tap a little bit and do it a little bit again, so be it. Now, from this point, your base course is done. From here, stacking each subsequent layer becomes a repetition and is surely a lot faster and a lot more enjoyable all the way to the finish line. Take the layers to the desired height, usually about three to four feet. But since that first course, that first base course was done, it's automatic that the stackable blocks that are going in there, unless there's a little piece of you know, block material that adhere during the building of that block. Make sure that you don't have little tags or something that it sits on itself nice and level. You'll put up the next two or three courses most of the time in a day. And it's it goes along very, very fast. You just have to get the material to the wall. And sometimes, depending on your situation, you might have to be wheelbarrowing three, four, five of them from the driveway back to the backyard. And that's just the nature of the beast. And if you're doing a downhill one, or if you're doing multiple walls, yep, you're gonna have to offload the wheelbarrow and carry them up the hill one by one. Yep, it's not hard, but man, it sure is worth it and rewarding when it's all said and done. Now, when we're talking about an uphill or we're talking about a downhill, one of the things I want to impress upon you is from the very beginning, unless you want to bring in additional soils, you're going to have to bring the hillside into the hill, in other words, digging it back and taking all those tailings, all those spoils that you have created 
and throwing it uphill, up onto the hill as much as possible. And then we've created our wall and now we have our wall to height. You've done a great job and you have it all the way completed now, except for maybe a capstone, but even most of the time you could do a capstone too. Now, before we backfill all those soils down to that wall, I want you to consider the drainage part of this. If you have a wet hillside, one that literally weeps down the, at the base and creates little, little ponds and little pools, then you know you're gonna have to have some form of drainage behind your wall. Usually with wet hillsides and a wall that's like four feet tall or higher, it'll almost demand drainage so that you don't have some kind of compromise in months or years down the road. And it's fairly easy to do. You have all the area behind the wall that is still open. You haven't backfilled yet. So now we're gonna come in with some, oh, you could do three quarter, but most of the time I did one inch drain rock and I would backfill with this drain rock and taper it from one side and taper it to the other side, unless you can do it from the whole length of your project. But that, that gets kind of tricky. So you kind of have a little bit of a high point in the middle and then slope it slope it off to the ends of your wall. Then you take some uh, perforated drain line, whether it be corrugated or PVC, doesn't matter. I was a big proponent of sediment socks and I would put a sediment sock around it and then I would tie it together, glue them together or couple them together and then run them out from the middle out to the ends. Then I would bury it with more gravel over the top of it and I would lay a 12 inch or 14 inch piece of landscape fabric on top of all pipe and gravel area. And I would even put larger rocks or something to hold that landscape fabric in place. And once that was done, now the backfilling can begin. That landscape fabric on the top is going to be just a uh, filtration barrier so that the soils that you have don't infiltrate down into the stone and make the drainage capabilities weakened. Now. Over the years, water will come down that hill like it always has. But instead of building up behind the wall or weeping out and not doing anything, that perforated drain system that's behind there will capture your water and run it out to the ends of your wall. What you do with it there, that's a whole nother podcast and video. So let's move on just a little bit. What if we have, uh, what if we have a hillside that we're having to uh, look at from multiple walls, not just one because of the the sheer size of the wall, it's going to require terracing. Maybe you have a base wall down at the bottom, but you're going to need maybe one or two more walls and terracing this out is going to be a, a challenge because you're, you're working on the hillside, but the process is the same as that initial wall. You are going to dig down. You are going to put in your base layer, just like you did before. You're going to level and compact it and then you're gonna start another base course in whatever style that you want. Some people like to make them kind of curved. Some people like just straight, whatever, whatever you wanna do, and then bring it up. Remember, we're digging back into the hill a little bit, taking that soil, putting it up above you temporarily, doing all of our work, creating our wall, putting in more drainage, and then backfilling it again and then repeat the process to how many times you need to do it. Remember these stackable block walls, these are, uh, these are the strongest and yet the easiest to construct for the dollars and the skill level that you have. Don't try to overthink it. 
Don't, don't try to look beyond and see what other fancy stuff is out there. We'll talk about fancy here in a few minutes. But for right now, this really does work. They really do. They don't involve concrete. They don't involve all that goes with concrete. Forming, rebar, wall ties. They don't involve uh, lumber, digging deep holes, sinking posts, putting face boards behind, using dead men, dead men type of things, which I'll talk about in a minute. And it's very simple and it's very strong. Imagine each block is averages around 75 pounds and you're stacking hundreds of those. Imagine the sheer weight and retainability that you're getting out of that weight, holding your hillside and decorative as well. So that is DIY retaining wall in a nutshell, but let's look at some other options. Let's look at wood. Maybe you have a piece of property that you're having to wrangle with. And part of that wrangling is doing a retaining wall. Maybe you have timber or wood on your property that you can, you can harvest and turn into retaining walls by putting it through a lumber mill and creating big posts, maybe 12 by 12s or eight by eights or something. And oftentimes, oftentimes when we talk about wood, depending on how much of a hill we're holding back, we are gonna to want to dig a minimum of 18 inches into the ground to sink those vertical timbers, 18 inches for every foot above. That's a really good, you could get away with 12 inches, but I would, I would go 14, 18 inches. And oftentimes the face boards, which are always gonna be facing the hillside that you're retaining, you're never gonna put them on the front side of your posts. They're going to be on the hillside side. I would suggest doubling them. And if you want something that really extends the longevity of it, take a 30 pound or minimum 15 pound felt or other type of waterproof membrane and cover those face boards all the way down. Make it nice and neat. Make it as level as you can. Trim off so that you don't see it. And then apply the same process of drainage as you did with the stackable block. Then backfill to the top of your wall. Your capstone is not a capstone anymore, but maybe a cap board. And I used to like to have a reveal on the cap board. So if you have eight by eight posts and you have two by 12 doubled face boards, then you probably want to have a one by 12 type of Catboard on the top. Now, depending on how you get your lumber, most of the time lumber is probably going to be more expensive nowadays than the block. Uh, but if you're more familiar with working with it, and here's another thing anchoring, anchoring your face boards back there to your posts is going to require a good timber lock type of screw, or if you can, galvanized metal through bolts with washers and nuts, with malleable washers on the, on the post side and galvanized washers on the back side. You just drill through and then pound your bolts through and anchor them down. That's, that's one way of doing it. Or you can do the, the, the timber lock type of screws. You're gonna need a very, very strong drill, impact driver type of hand tool in order to get that done. Okay, let's talk about concrete. 
For those of you out there who haven't done it, but maybe you, uh, you have some concrete skills. Maybe you do that for a living, but you've just never done it vertical before. You've always done it in patios and driveways and stuff. If you're good with it, then you know how to form. And if you know how to form, you know what a key course is, a keystone type of thing. And this is where you are going to dig your trench back into the hillside. You are going to dig it out and you are going to form it up. An initial pour is going to have a key in it. And that is generally gonna be, I would say at the minimum, a four by four type of key. And once you get that and you've poured it and it's perfectly level, now we're gonna form the vertical sides of your wall to whatever, to whatever height. And generally in residential applications, most of the time you start stepping off into pulling permits, anything over the four foot mark. I'm sure there's some places out there where it's three feet. I'm just telling you what I used to have was four feet. So now that you have your, your key pour done, your foundation done, now you're gonna bring up your, your plywood forms, you are gonna stake them in place, you're gonna angle brace them, you're gonna do ties from the back form to the front form and wire tie them. You're gonna have rebar that is going to be implemented both horizontally and vertically and tie those all together, bending those at the top so that you have little L, L ties that tie everything together and then complete your form and complete your pour right up to the very, the very top of your form to whatever height that might be. And most of the time you're gonna to have to do a little bit of either vibratory settling in that vertical pour or coming along and tapping both sides of that form throughout the curing process for about the first two hours. And then when you start to finish it and you know that you have a settled wall, it may not be cured, but it's settled, then most likely on the front side, you're gonna take that front plywood off and do a finish of whatever you wanna do. If it's a troweled finish, if it's a broomed finish, if it's uh, you're throwing color on it, whatever you want to do, decorative, whatever. I would also suggest on that face side that your vertical plywood form was treated with either diesel fuel or oil of some kind or a release agent from your concrete provider. And so that that form comes off really easy, separates really easy, and you can pull it and finish it very, very quickly. Okay, so we've talked about stackable block, we have talked about wood, and we have talked about concrete. Now let's talk about moving on to the landscaping portion of it. And in order to landscape it, unless you live in a place that has adequate year-round moisture coming out of the sky all the time, you're gonna to have to consider some type of supplemental irrigation. And since we always want to control the amount of water we throw into this hillside so that we don't uh, erode or wash away or destabilize the hill in any way. We want to put the amount of water that is needed for the plant material only, and the way we do that is through drip irrigation. I never use spray irrigation except micro spray irrigation through a drip system on a hillside. It was always done that way. And if you want to know an easy way on how to do it is if you're doing an uphill and you have to bring irrigation up the hill is bring it up one side or the other, or sometimes both, and then you bring from that vertical up the hillside pipe, 
put on your T's, put on your drip tubing adapters, and run your irrigation horizontal across the hillside. Don't try to snake it all the way up through because you've terraced this hillside now to one degree or another. So most of your drip irrigation is gonna come off of there really easy and go across a relatively flat part of this hillside now. Then you can hook up all your drip tubing, all your emitters, all your micro sprays, take care of your ground covers, shrubs, trees, perennials, they all get just the right amount of water and you're not gonna overload that hillside with water. So let me leave you with this part. This is probably the most challenging because people don't have the power equipment to do it. And it's a beautiful, beautiful way to retain a hillside. But unfortunately, the cost is kind of prohibitive, but I thought I would share it with you. And that is natural boulders. Natural boulders are a gorgeous way to do a retaining wall. It just takes some of the same steps initially, digging into the hillside, creating a larger area where you're gonna put your base course. You can put down some sand and gravel there to put your first course on, but we're talking, we're talking boulders now that are similar to the size of a small dinner table. Things that are hundreds and hundreds of pounds, if not even a ton of each boulder. And you're gonna need something that is more excavator-like and you're gonna to have to source such boulders. One of the keys to boulder placement is really called the setback. Now I covered a little setback in a short that I did last summer. And you might wanna look for it there on the, the channel. But a setback is gonna be your first course is done and you've done your utmost to knit all your boulders together. So they're relatively tight between them. You fitted them pretty darn well. You don't have huge gaps that are showing. That's why I always suggest that you use angular type of boulders if you're gonna use them, not round river rock because they don't fit as well. So you've knitted your first course together and then the second and third course, whatever height you're gonna go, you're gonna set that second course back into the hill leaving a set amount exposed of the first base layer. You're not going straight vertical, you're going slightly back for your second course. This will stabilize the wall, this will stabilize the hillside, and the wall will be so much stronger for it. One of the things about what beautifies a boulder retaining wall, as opposed to wood and concrete and stackable block, is that you generally have to some degree, no matter how well you do it, you still have these little gaps, these little cracks in the wall. And that's where the creative part of the landscaping thing really thrilled me because I was able to get in there and, and, and shove improved imported soils and composts and stuff into those gaps. And then I would take ground covers and small bulbs and other things and plant those and as they took hold and they rooted, it would really soften the, 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 huge, the huge impact statement that the boulder wall itself was creating with the softness of the new ground covers and small bulbs and little perennials and stuff. That's the fun part of using boulders. Hey, I hope you got something out of this, I really do. If you have something like this and you need to 
have a question answered, hey, I'm an email away. Yoryardcoach at gmail.com. And if you need quite a bit more in-depth, consider checking out the website, yoryardcoach.com, and check out the book and the flagship, Homescape 1.0, the digital course that'll set you on a path of confidence that you can create your own professional type of landscape just by watching it. It's literally like getting a year's worth of sitting in a classroom education, sitting right in the comfort on the couch at home and at your, you know, your time frame. Guys, that's what I have for you this week. Please do me a favor, follow me over on the YouTube channel this week. I cover this and obviously with a lot more pictorial uh, application to it. And as always, to your landscape success, I will catch up with you next Friday. I appreciate your attention all the way to the end. You guys take care. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.